You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. I am loving our podcast episodes on recovery ministry. As most of you know by now, we are relaunching our recovery ministry at Carterville. We're very excited to be a Celebrate Recovery ministry now. So Life Recovered is now Celebrate Recovery at Carterville. And so we meet on at 4.30s on Sunday evenings in our chapel, uh, which is just past our sanctuary. It's a smaller church building, and we would love to have you there. So as you listen today, if you find this episode of the podcast encouraging, please share it with somebody else that you think will be blessed by and might need it today. Our goal is to encourage the church and all of our friends with what we share every day. Well, my guest today is Sean Hampton. Hey, Sean. Hey, hey. We're going to be talking about the biblical story of Naaman. Naaman, uh, his story provides a, a beautiful way to understand the recovery process, even though he he lived thousands of years ago and is a well-remembered Old Testament character, it's pretty cool to me to see that his process is not that different than our process of recovery today. Still, some of the same elements uh, were taking place in his life as take place in ours. So we're going to be in 2 Kings chapter 5 today. I'll set you up, and then Sean, I would love for you to show us how the recovery process uh, is apparent in the story. No problem. So Naaman is one of the most important men in his home country of Aram. He is not an Israelite. He is the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He is an advisor, a counselor, and a friend to the king of Aram. His life is going very well. He's powerful. He is wealthy. He is influential. Just a reminder that recovery and suffering, hurts, habits, and hang-up are no respecter of persons. They don't care what class you are or where you come from. Well, for Naaman, it's not a drug or alcohol addiction that we're aware of that plagued him. Naaman's life was impacted by an illness. Uh, He developed leprosy, which was going to cause him a separation in relationship, the same as our addictions, hurts, habits, and hang-ups cause for us today. A separation of relationships that results in isolation. So Naaman finds himself in a hopeless position where his strength has not been able to solve his problem with leprosy. And then he finds an unlikely uh, source of hope. In his home, there's a slave girl. Apparently in one of his military campaigns, he conquered an Israelite village. And in this village, he brought home a slave to his wife to become her servant. And this girl hears about her master's problem and says, there is a prophet where I'm from who can heal your leprosy. And so Naaman, through the most unexpected source, has the first whisper of hope that he's going to find in this recovery process that Elisha can show him. And so that begins his journey. Now, Sean, walk us through the recovery process in this particular biblical passage. It really starts with with Naaman. He has a choice in his life. He's at a crossroads. Um, He can live with his condition, hiding it, and running from as long as possible until it finally outs him and he is ostracized, like you said, away from his family. He loses um, his status, his positions, and his relationships. He loses everything in his life that's important to him. And the other option? The other option is to seek help, to seek out those that might be able to help him in his process of healing. And that's what he does. He, um, I would imagine that he let it be known fairly well throughout his household because one of the slave servant girls was able to hear about that and go to him and say, 
there is a prophet in Israel that can heal you. So the the first the first three steps of the recovery process require a person recognizing that you know I'm I can't I'm powerless to stop mm-hmm. this and I need help I need a I need an outside helper I need a God who is bigger than me and that's mm-hmm. exactly what Naaman's going to find. One of the things that I love in this story is not only is he healed from leprosy in the end but he has a deeper problem solved. He finds a relationship with the living God who he did not know before. Right. And I see that story repeated in recovery process as well. Yes, a brother or sister found freedom from an addiction, from a hurt, from a habit, from a hangup. But even greater than that, they found peace with God. And so in that sense, Naaman's story is a lot like our story. Okay, so the first hurdle he faces is pride. Let's talk about pride and surrender, Sean. Mm. He, he's like many of us in the rooms of recovery. Um he gets to a place of, of extreme pain and desperation right. where he's able to seek out and ask for help. He realizes that he, what he was trying wasn't working, so he seeks help. And um, But in that help, he still thinks that he has some power and ability and uh, some things that can can help God. I can, and, I can pay for this. I can yeah, fix I can, this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know this new new step. I can go over here and... Uh, but in that, he, he he tries to gather up a king's ransom to go and bribe the king of Israel. And the king of Israel is like, I can't do it. I don't know why you're coming to me. That's and right. we do that. We we, we seek out um, ways that aren't of God to heal, heal our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, our pain, suffering. And that's when Elijah said, no, 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 no. Send him to me. So that way he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. That's right. He doesn't need the king. He needs the prophet. He needs the prophet. And I love that. He didn't even say... Um, that I'm going to send him to me so I can heal him. That's not the, the the object wasn't to heal him. The object was that he would know there's a prophet in Israel, that there's a God, a living God in Israel, the living God in Israel. So that that's awesome to me. And the next the next turn in the story is cool. So Naaman Naaman goes to Elisha and he's got this king's ransom behind him, all the mm-hmm. silver and his wealth and his army. So he shows up with an entourage. You know, as, his, as if his fame and his reputation is going to earn him some favor with God. But the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter. Rich, poor, status, no status. Mm-hmm. We're all really in the same place, standing before God and walking the road of recovery. So here he is at Elijah's house. And boy, Elijah, Elisha humbles him. What's he do? <laughs> I love this. Elijah wouldn't even come out to meet him, which in, in that culture... And with Naaman's status is a, I mean, I hate, it's a Offensive. slap in the face. Yeah, it really is. He sends a messenger out to Naaman to tell him, "Go and dip yourself in the Jordan River seven times." And Naaman uh, might have some issues with anger, like we talked about with <laughs> Moses. Uh, blows up. He's like, "Aren't the aren't the uh, rivers of Damascus better than the Jordan well, River?" Because the Jordan is a muddy river it's compared a, to the pretty and clean rivers that he knew back. He's exactly. thinking. I could have I could have dipped seven times in a river back home if right. that was gonna be the solution. But it's really not even just it's not even just him going into the water. It's that submission of his will to God. He's at a critical impasse. Yeah. Will he submit to the will of God in his and life? He's, and and Elijah's also asking him to to humble himself even more because a man of his status doesn't go to the river. That's right. He has servants that go and wash his clothes in the river and brings him water from the bath. So he's probably being asked to go down to the Jordan and dip himself a man of his stature right. in front of a bunch of slave women. Right. So, I mean, he's like, I just know. And he he throws a fit, and finally one of his servants speaks truth into his life like all of us need. We need people to place around us that will speak the truth that we don't like to hear. 
And his servant said, you know, if he had asked you to do this great thing, would you not have done it? All he's asking you to do is go and dip yourself in the river seven times. Just give it a try. Just, well, yeah, what's it going to hurt? Right. Uh, other than his pride. Right. <laughs> so, so he's expecting the holy man of God to walk out and say powerful words and offer a blessing and wave his hand and big prayers and, you know, maybe even a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, but instead he gets, no, go work this process. And for him, the process was simple. Seven baptisms in the Jordan River, right? Yeah. And our process is a little different today in the rooms of recovery, but we're still working the process. And the process requires the first step which is surrender your will to God. Yep. And so Naaman finally does that. He finally gives up, surrenders to to the Lord and Elijah's command. He goes to the river. Seven times he dips himself. And, he, and again, he allows other people to speak into his process Love it. and speak the truth and bring the light of Christ into his life, light of God. And the good news for him is that process worked. Like he found the healing that he needed. And I love the fact that he not only was healed, but um, it also says in, in Scripture, it says... Uh, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Uh, I can imagine Naaman, as a, he was probably an older man because of his status, status yeah. and his uh, where he was in his life. He was a warrior, so he was out in the in the desert sun a lot. His skin probably wasn't that that uh, <laughs> right. that young. Probably not like a young boy. Not like a young boy. Right. But not only God healed him of his leprosy, but he restored him beyond he could, what he could ever imagine. Right. His his skin was like that of a young boy, awesome. soft, supple, just clean. And, uh, and that's really what, what the process of recovery does. For me and anybody else that truly has worked a process, God takes you and brings you back into your relationships through your fa- with your family and those you love and, and, and the blessings of, this, of, of what God has for you in ways that you could have never imagined before. My relationship with my wife, Kate, and my kids is better than I could ever imagined before my process of healing. So Naaman came to see if he could get back to where he wants. I just want the leprosy gone. Yeah. And he found out that once God began to work in his life through this process, not only was the leprosy gone, but his skin was better than ever. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me that a lot of people enter the rooms of recovery uh, and they just hope to get back to their baseline, but they find that once they start taking responsibility for their life interactions and find healthy ways to process and interact, once they move through the steps of recovery, they don't get back to a baseline. They find that their life is richer and better, their relationships more meaningful and deeper than they were before. Mm-hmm. And they find out that, honestly, the hope that God's calling them into, it's much better than they ever imagined. Much greater, much deeper. And more meaningful than they could have ever imagined. So as the story wraps up, how does it end? What's the, what's the last movement, and how does that look like uh, the process of recovery for us? Well, in the 12th step, we're called to share the hope um, that we, you know, the, the spiritual experience, we're called to share that with others. Right. Um, and, which is evangelism. And uh, Naaman comes to a place of understanding, and it says here, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept my gift from your servant. He actually calls himself a servant of God. Wow. And in that, he says, but but Elijah wouldn't accept his gifts, all of his <laughs> king's ransom, because Elijah's saying, it's not me, it's God. I want God to have all the glory. Uh, and, and Naaman says, well, at least allow me to take enough dirt that two mules will carry so I can build an altar and worship God in my home country of Aaron. And he promises, I'll never I'll never make an offering to another God except exactly. the Lord. Yep. So not only did he find healing from leprosy, but he found a whole new life 
with the living God. And I think a lot of people in the rooms of recovery, they find more than a healing from their hurts, habits, and hang-up. They find a relationship with God that they didn't know was possible, and they find peace that they're ultimately looking for. Well, Sean, thanks for walking through this fantastic story with us. And I can imagine as Naaman goes back with two mules loaded down with (laughs) Israelite earth so he can make his altar back home. I imagine him going back to begin the good work of serving, about telling other people about the hope that there is in the God of Israel. You know, and I wonder if he sent some other lepers to Elisha. But I I see how as a brother or sister finds the healing that they've needed and then they work the rest of those steps and start to help others and invest again. And I just, you know, whether you're that person who's found recovery and now you're ready to share it, or whether you're the person who is badly in need of a recovery process, I just want to invite you to join us 4.30 on Sunday evenings in the chapel for our Celebrate Recovery ministry. It's been awesome to walk through this passage with you, Sean. Thanks. You're welcome.